Kelly, I'm so exhausted from doing all the, doing the soupies and everything. I, I think we need to take some, take a week off. Oh, I hear you. And we've got um, movies from Sundance and the sports week coming up and it's, yeah. it's been a long year. And I know Court said something about a sports movie that she wanted to talk about with Eric. And Ooh. he just happens to be the editor of that film. Oh, my goodness. Uh, one of the editors of that film. And it is Bring It On, the uh, cheerleading movie uh, from the year 2000. Awesome. That sounds great. I'm sexy. I'm cute. I'm popular to boot. I'm bitchin', great hair, the boys all like this there. I'm wanted, I'm hot, I'm everything you're not. I'm pretty, I'm cool, I dominate the school. Who am I? Just guess. I want something in the next page and... <laughs> and welcome back to Geek Girl Soup. I'm Court and that awesome, lovely voice was... Eric. Yes, and if you couldn't guess, if you didn't remember, we are here to discuss an all-time classic at 20 years and counting. Bring it on. Yeah, you can see the gray hair. <laughs> if, if you guys don't know, I actually worked on the film. I was yeah. the uh, additional editor uh, and first assistant editor, and I'll explain those roles as we get into the podcast. Absolutely. And if you have somehow avoided this movie for the past 20 years, like how, why, why would you do that? Why? Uh, so Bring It On, like I said before, is basically a classic. And um, I, I saw it again yesterday for the first time in the past couple of years. But I'm just going to give like a brief little uh, recap of, you know, what it was for those who somehow happen to miss it. Weirdos. All right. So... <laughs> Considering there's like, I think, four sequels in a Broadway play. Yes, yes. A Broadway play by who? Uh, I don't know. Lin-Manuel Miranda. That's right. That's yes. right. And we did go see it, uh, Larry and I, the editor and I. We went and saw it and got to meet the cast afterwards. Uh, it was very different, but very good. And I would like to see a movie version of that Broadway. Oh, that would be cool because we yeah. definitely do that now. Yeah, All right, so in case more you... bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on. Come on. All right, so bring it on, which was released August 25th of 2020. So again, 20 plus years. We are in 2021 now. Finally, right, Eric? Yeah. Uh, cheerleader Torrance Shipman is a senior at Ron Carnate. We're going to talk about that name. High school in San Diego. Her boyfriend, Aaron, is at college and her cheerleading squad, the Mighty Mighty Toros, is aiming for a sixth consecutive national title. Um, Torrance, of course, is elected team captain, replacing her highly successful predecessor, Big Red. And Eric, we find some things out about Big Red and how they claimed those championships, didn't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we are also introduced to Gabrielle Union in one of her first major film features. Uh, she is Isis and she leads the, uh, the Clovers, Compton Clovers. So, Eric. Bring it on. How did you get involved in this classic? That is a great question. I had worked for Larry Bach, mm -hmm. uh, actually taught him the lightworks, and we'll go into a little bit of that. The film industry was in a transitional period. We were getting off of film and moving on to computer-based editing. Mm -hmm. And one of the first editing systems that could handle feature films, of course, was lightworks. I, about 93, saw the future coming 
jumped on the technology, learned it, started training all the editors in Hollywood, start figuring out workflows and stuff. And maybe we'll go over a couple of memos that I had uh, at the time. I was looking them over last night and it was kind of fun to see some of the geeky talk of what I was setting up in the cutting room and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so Larry being, uh, he worked on the Santa Claus, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Nice. Tell, tell mom the babysitter's dead, I think. Um, so he had done some classics uh, by then, and I just happened to work with him on Cool and the Crazy, which was a Showtime remake of a 50s B movie with mm-hmm. Bakshi. And so I taught him the lightworks and everything. So when he was offered Cheer Fever, he asked me if I wanted to come on board, and the rest is history. Now, let's back that up. You said when he was offered Cheer Fever? What's Cheer Fever? Never- oh, that's right. That's right. That was the original name of Bring It On. Oh, wow. Cheer fever. So how did we get from cheer fever to bring it on? Well, that's a long editorial (laughs) question. But I think when we start coming down towards the end, the, you know, how uh, uh, the publicity, what do they call that department, that marketing, yeah, marketing, I think they wanted something that was a little catchier. I can't really, you know, I wasn't involved in all these strategic decisions, but probably something a little more catchier, a little more, um, hip and cool yeah um i mean what do you think cheer fever versus bring it on oh yeah cheer fever sounds like it should be a horror movie you know i love horror movies oh there there you go as a matter of fact i do have i remember when they wanted to change it i wish i had a date on this piece of paper but one of the things about being in the cutting room is you get to put your voice in on on it so peyton the director peyton reed who you now know him through mandalorian bringing Mm -hmm. skywalker back and of course the ant-man movie this was his this was his first big like first big break in hollywood and i did uh i did uh bring it on and down with love with peyton so Mm -hmm. i was right there with him on his first two movies in this town so that was very exciting and i might have been on a third with him uh if he would have done it and that was he was supposed to do uh the fantastic four oh which one like the, the... the first one the okay. very first one when they relaunched yeah. it okay. uh but uh scheduling or something i don't know what happened there it didn't work out and he backed off the movie and then somebody else directed it, and we know the history of that movie now yes we do. so so some of the uh ideas was smell uh now this is interesting smells like teen spirit uh uh oh teen spirit smells like teen spirit smells like teen spirit teen spirit totally freak me out everything you're not <laughs> spirit spirit fingers we got spirit, girls in short skirts. Oh, that would have gone over well today. <laughs> I got the sprint. I was a teenage cheerleader. Make me want to holler. Sweet monkeys. Oh, sweater monkeys. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Kicks. Kick it. Look at me. Blood, sweat, and cheers. Sis, boom, ba. All fired up. Can you tell these came from the cutting room? <laughs> get fired up. Shout it out. Get uh, psyched get ready for this be aggressive i like that one hit uh hits hit it stick it feels feels like first which kind of gave away the ending all together now never let me down trust trust on three uh groove me baby lift me up and <laughs> amarama so those were some of the uh ideas Ooh. and there is another sheet where we did come with bring it and then bring it on uh i remember being in the mix uh on that yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly who came up with Bring It On, but I think when it, it, when we realized it, and you know, Seal had a song 
called Bring It On. Remember Bring It On? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so but I don't know if there was some talk at the time like, oh, it's the seal song, you know, title. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like a lot of um, the movie titles that you just kind of said are lines directly from the movie. I know. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that they did pick Bring It because like that was that awesome scene between Isis and um, Torrance. So, yeah, but they say Bring It. Yeah. And, and I kept waiting to bring it on. Bring it on. It yeah. But that 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 is fine. That is fine. Um, yeah. And it, it it feels like the appropriate title now. That correct. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of fun, you know. Cheer fever is kind of. It isn't as bad, I think, as we. No. Thought it was you know? It, I mean? it's, it's better like, than those alternate titles. Yeah, and it's like looking back nostalgically. It's like cheer fever. Oh, that would have probably yeah. worked. But still, bring yeah. it on. Just has some. It just has some mm to it. You it know? does. Bring it, like, bring it on. Yeah. And like you said, it bore many sequels. I'm not sure that Cheer Fever would have. But uh, no, no, I no, no. It, no, it, it would have. It would have because like right now we are back in that resurgence of Cheer and Bring It On. You know, there's that Netflix uh, show that's happening now um, with like the Cheer Nation. So like it, it, it probably would have. It would have done and, a good job. Now, this is the interesting thing. Larry Bach, you know, the editor, he loved to decorate his cutting rooms to yeah. fit the theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. So we would scoured, and this was really hard to do at the time. I think eBay was coming in mm-hmm. uh, at the time, if I remember correctly. It didn't work as well as it does today. And we scoured eBay constantly for posters of old cheerleader movies of the 70s. There yeah. weren't that many. Uh, we even found we scoured uh, every VHS, um, uh, what do you call it, rental store, you know, not blockbusters. These were like the mom and pop shops in Hollywood looking for these classic films yeah. uh, to just watch all of them too. And we found most of them to be exploit- <laughs> exploitation oh, films of the 70s, meaning that yeah. the cheerleaders were sexy and they had sex scenes. <laughs> They're like porkies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was even yeah. raunchier than porkies, to tell you the oh, truth. Wow. They, were, they were bordering X. They were rated yeah. R, but they were yeah. like soft porn, some of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, in the 70s style, you know what I mean? So they okay. did a plot and everything, but they had to make sure to get the cheerleaders in the showers and and then, the, you know, having a hot sex scene with the boyfriend, you know, things Obligatory. Like that. The, the typical 70s uh, raunchy uh, films. So we kind of knew at the time that maybe we were working on something definitely we were working on something that really wasn't hadn't been done even though you had your exploitation films of the 70s this was it was fresh yeah you know what I mean and and that was one of the exciting things when I first read the script I was like I want to do this film because the dialogue in it as you know when you watch the movie is so flat I mean even the imagine the opening and here's something about the opening that we didn't know uh, that you might have known, we were supposed to hear, it says, we hear a tiny sound, audio collage of old school's 50s-style cheerleading, rah, rah, sis, boom, ba, hip, hooray, and cha-cha-cha, fade into black to white, black and white footage of a series of slow-motion images of classic white-bred Americans cheering cheers they, to their hearts out, push them back, push them back, push them back, way back. So we were paying, the, the script was originally, from what I could see here, was originally written to pay homage to the old cheerleaders and then to say, here's your hot new cheerleading squad. Yeah. You know, the Toros. So, um, so even, even the script originally, and you could tell we never, 
either film that or we just decided to abandon that and just go right into the film with our cheerleading squad, which in today, uh, looking back, was the right decision. Oh, absolutely. Um, so one thing that comes to mind when I'm watching it now from a 2021 perspective, like they address cultural appropriation like really early on. Can you talk to me about that? You know, it's, it's and what's interesting is we, we, we talk about it, but we don't make it a big deal, do we? Yeah. We just have fun with it. Right, right. Like the guy cheerleader in the car. Yeah, I, you know, I like guys or something. I can't remember yeah. the exact line he said. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the time, I don't know. I, it, for me, um, I, I have a lot of gay friends. So to me, it kind of just felt, I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to it because it felt natural and normal. Right. And this right. is the universe that I want to see. I was more engaged. For me, I liked the relationship of the Clovers versus the Toros and, yes. and how she um, wasn't going to take any reparations from the Toros, like the check scene. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? And the self-empowering yep. and the, the competition, uh, you know, of challenging Courtney and, and I mean, challenging, uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm it was I'm uh, Court, Courtney. Uh, yeah. Courtney. Yeah. You know, uh, Not like, me, no, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, so it, I was more interested in that. And I really still to this day, my favorite line is second place. Hell yeah. I was it, very excited about that. Yeah. Um, because we we saw we saw from the movie, of course, we know that Big Red had been venturing to Compton, and she'd been looking in and stealing moves, stealing entire routines from the Clover uh, cheerleading squad. So while they were winning these championships, the, the Toros, they were winning it with with uh, moves basically that were stolen. Um, so for me, second place, hell yeah, like they won that. The, the Toros won that with moves that they had created on their own. Um, like from their own creativity and so like second place yes because this is what we this is what we worked toward and what we earned and I was very happy about that part of it and also that after all these years of the the Clovers like their routines winning but them themselves not being awarded for their creativity hell yeah they won so like they they both won in ways that that made so much sense yeah it gave a happy ending and then of course you have the scene of them going off to college together yeah, which uh, which was a nice uh, button to the to the film. Um, I I was very lucky on this film. Larry had a, a huge amount of trust in me, and he gave me uh, the cheerleader sequences to cut. And okay. I remember the day he did that. He says, "I want to cut all the dialogue and stuff. Why don't you start on the cheerleader uh, sequences? Because you know they're quite complicated. There's a lot of ki- three cameras running, maybe even four at a time, yeah. and um, and then many takes." of it. As a matter of fact, I was watching the uh, Clovers cheer and right at the end, there's a wide shot of hitting their, their final pose. And yeah. one of the girls at the end, if you really look closely, you can start to see her falling, like just oh three <laughs> frames of it. And yeah. I cut out of it just to hide it because it was so perfect how they hit their pose, but then she right. fell. Um, yeah. So little tricks of that, cutting around the mistakes that were made, because keep in mind, yeah. A lot of the people on that stage were actually actors, not cheerleaders. Yes. So that was getting them up to speed and making them look like they are competitive cheerleaders. Yeah. Nationals and win. But um, I think uh, Peyton, I think Larry probably wanted me to do a first couple of passes and he'd take it over, but I was doing such a good job that I got to handle those sequences. So 
of course, Larry cut the opening, which I was still like, give me the opening too, Larry. No, he's like, no, I'm cutting this one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he did, and he did the bad Toro's routine with the spear yeah. speakers, which yeah. I want to do. But he gave me everything else to cut in regionals and nationals. And I was even the montage at nationals. That's uh, pretty cool. Gave to me. Yeah. So that was my contribution uh, to the film. And it was just so much fun to work on those sequences because, you know, it's bring it on and it's all about those sequences. Yeah. So I guess the point being is I want to talk about it was interesting when I cut the clovers and then I cut the Toros cheerleading sequences. They felt even they were filmed slightly different because the clovers, they didn't have patterns. They were more skilled based cheerleaders. They did the yeah. flips and the complication lifts and everything. Yeah. So, and the Toros were very pattern oriented and would hit poses and do lifts and hit a pose and stuff. So the Toros to me on a visual level were deserving of number one, whereas yeah. on a, a skill level, the Clovers totally dominated them on skills. Yeah. And so it was fun during when we had the two scenes up because we had to say, you know, we had to kind of show that Clovers would really win this too. Yeah. It was always interesting to go, well, technically and, and visually, like, here's the strengths of one team and here's the strengths of the other. So funny enough, you know, in the cutting room, we were still in the cutting room, we were still analyzing um, the performances and making sure that the Clovers won it. But I think technically they, they definitely won it and they probably would have gotten those extra points and that's what pushed them over the top. Yeah, you know, that is so cool. Like, so much about this stuff in the cutting room, huh? I was gonna say, I, I never <laughs> think about like this type of stuff when I'm watching a movie. Yes, I know who's probably gonna win, um, like just by like whose main story it is, like who the protagonist is, or if they'll get close if it's one of those type of movies. But I never like thought of like you guys doing the work of, oh no, we have to emphasize this part of the scene and like just cut this in a certain way so they, they look amazing. Because I've I going to that reality that you guys have created. And so I think the film, I think the film structurally, you would think that the Toros would win because the film is designed to see the rise of her and, and, yeah. and her bringing her team to the championship and, and trying to maintain that. So it's kind of designed that. And since the film goes in that other direction, it's just going yeah. Yeah, and like the going along with that part of it, um, I remember reading something or hearing like another podcast talking about the movie, and they were talking about how it was marketed. They said, um, in the marketing, um, there was a lot more of the clovers than was than was actually in the movie. So, like the actual trailers made it kind of make sense that the clovers end up winning. Like it was not just about the toros; it was about the clovers and the toros. Like they were both the protagonists. Like from what it was seen in the trailers. Yeah, I wish I would have watched the trailers again because <laughs> I don't remember exactly that. But I do know that the night it came out, we all climbed into a bus together. One of the best nights of my life because I always yeah. heard, heard about this is, is that uh, the producers, directors, actors, you know, very yeah. rarely do editors uh, get to do this. So Larry and I were invited, including my wife, and we all climbed into the bus with Kirsten Dunst and, and some other people, all the producers, you know, and we went around yeah. to all the movie theaters and would tell them that we're they'd recognize Kirsten of course so yeah uh, so of course let us in and we just stand in the back for five minutes and just watch yeah. reaction so we drove all around LA and I think we went to uh East Compton and everything and the yeah. film was just playing everywhere and it was just it was really a magical night and ended up being number one that weekend and yeah. of course now you see it's hit you know it's in the lexicon of 
yes of uh movie making so and and that would to speak to that that was another thing about this film is it was you know i'm not you know people puff up their experiences on film but this film really and it was because of peyton peyton is such a great guy to work for so sweet and nice i mean everything you hear about him is true um even when he's being nasty and mean it's because he wants to capture the images on set that he wants to capture you know on his big blockbusters today uh, yeah the crew but um the film just had magic around it the whole time uh once it went into production i'm sure getting it there was really hard for jessica you know the the writer and everything but it just it just came together so well and i remember the uh, uh executive producer uh mark abrams wanted to see it early and he, yeah. he swore to us he would not say anything and somehow he wrangled his way into the cutting room when we played it for him and he just got up and said we have a hit and he got up and walked out uh, that's um he had a few notes and and later on we can go over those notes of what additional scenes we shot for the movie yeah why we shot them but the movie just came together. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a lot of work. I think we worked on it for six to eight months. Um, yeah. But it, it was just a joy the whole time. It was just so much fun. And we knew we knew we had a little lightning in the bottle, but would the world <laughs> or the United States respond the way we did? Would it be just a little film that would come out and go away? Because keep yeah. in mind, there was another cheerleader movie that came out that same year. Yes. Uh, Gabrielle Union said Sugar and Spice came out as well. And she was looking at doing that one, too, because that was with the cheerleaders and bank robbery. Mm-hmm. But uh, she said they didn't have a black lead in it. So she she wanted she wanted this. And we're so lucky she took this. Absolutely. Because <laughs> Bring um, It On would not be Bring It On without her. Absolutely. Oh, my God. She looks amazing. Like this was 20 plus years ago and she still looks the same. Uh, did you see her her Halloween outfit for last year with her and her daughter? Yes, the uh, clover uh, yes. wardrobe. Yes, it was very, yeah. very cute. Yes, it was. It was. It was, it was cool, actually. You know, he still looks the same. Yeah, um, I know, huh? Yeah, and I, I one thing that I love, um, like she got to have a lot of input into like the clovers, um, and I think uh, the other actresses as well. Um, she said initially when they came in, some of the lines were a little stereotypical, and she said it felt very black black exploitation. And I love that, like, everyone who was on board, they were very open to the input that made this. Because, like, them being able to have their input kind of spoke to, like, people like me who I didn't get to see uh, people who looked like me on screen too much. It was like the Sugar and Spice movie where it was all uh, just one one division of our entire population. Whereas with this, like, everybody was heavily represented. I think you got to credit Jessica... Uh... Ben, ben Inger uh, okay. for that. And then of course, Peyton uh, understanding uh, yeah. the same thing. And it, like I said, it was a very collaborative set even in the yeah. cutting room. And I, it, like I said, we would talk about scenes. We would talk about moments and, and weigh them in and, and stuff. We even had some MPAA problems with some of the fun funness of uh, the jokes, for instance, the fingers slipping <laughs> you know? or um, one of the kids, you know, during the auditions, you know, did that little. Yes. Uh, you know, so those kind of gestures actually got us an R rating at first. Yeah. Um, so we had to cut some of those little nuances out, which was interesting. It's like after watching all those exploitation art films of the 70s. Yeah. It's like MPAA, you, you cleared 
all of these movies of the mm-hmm. 70s and now you're worried about a couple of hand gestures right you know or uh references to something that might have happened i mean right th- today some of that stuff is a little crass isn't it when you watch it you're like oh yeah. <laughs> but it's still i don't know it's in good humor i guess i, I yeah. don't know yeah no it, it again it did not meet more meet porky's level so we were good all right and it never it never was designed to do that yeah it was designed yeah. to be honest to the characters try to capture what how the kids were even back yeah. then even today and how the cheerleading yeah. world was i think jessica was a cheerleader if i'm, I'm not mistaken so some of that might have come from her direct experiences so she really wanted and it must have worked because i mean if you're a cheerleader you cannot be a cheerleader without watching this film and to date myself uh i do have a grandchild well i have four uh, oh. but the oldest jc she ended up being the head cheerleader and she went to nationals and I was right there in the front row at nationals cheering her on going (laughs) you know the the moves really weird for me to (laughs) be experiencing the film yeah uh, my my grandchild JC you know and I was was like wow this is full circle and the funny thing is I understood (laughs) what was going on yeah (laughs) that is awesome now, uh, we were talking before, like like you said, like this movie is uh, in the lexicon, like it, it surpassed its other predecessors. Like this is when you think cheerleading movies, this is the one we think of. So how did it originally test? Because I have my perceptions watching the movie now. Like how did it how, like when the audience saw it, like when you guys talked to them, like what were some of the things that you guys got back? Well, funny enough, I do have the test cards. Oh, nice. So we can go over it really quickly here. I think we tested, I have two or three test cards, but I think we only tested it twice. So I might have a duplicate on the cards. And I, I can't remember. I think we did test it and then we went back and did reshoots. That, okay. I'll just stick with that in my memory. And what we found is that I, it tested really well from, from my memory. But mm-hmm. once you got into nationals, all the laughs went away and you basically, it became competitive. Yeah. The show, which the audience liked, don't get me wrong, but there weren't any laughs. So the last 20 minutes of the film or more, it, the audience would just settle in and enjoy the spectacle of, of the movie. Yeah. And it was decided that we needed to bring some laughs between the, uh, uh, what did they call it? The uh, oh, I can't remember what they what we pre pre was it like know, the regionals? The re well, when they were there, when they were there at the finals at the nationals, yeah. but then you had to compete to get to the top. Yeah, uh, with, they, with the was it the magic the fingers? Uh, no, no, no. This is this no? is at when they're out in the outside arena. You know, we had that montage of everybody competing. Yeah, I just I, we even zoomed in on the sign, and I can't remember it. <laughs> been a little while since i watched it i think a couple of years um but let's say it's the national like the pre the qualifying for the finals let's say that yes yes um and so if you remember you see the montage and then we go into everybody getting ready and we have the cheerleader that's like did i do good did i do good and then she lowers her thing and teeth are all black oh out. god yeah <laughs> i think that might have came from larry and i because there was a documentary at the time out on cheerleading mm-hmm. on like something like discovery channel or it was on cable and it was a documentary on cheerleading and it mm-hmm. was getting some notoriety at the time so that was another exciting thing about 
uh, our movie is we felt like we were things were starting to be exposed about the cheerleading world and people were taking yeah. interest in those so therefore they would be interested in our movie um yes. so that that gag in in that documentary a girl gets her teeth knocked out and it's like oh I, I remember watching the show and visually like reacting to that you know like because yeah. it was very graphic and a little more violent <laughs> yeah. than we portray it so can yeah. we have a joke about that you know and then and and it paid off perfectly when she yes. lowered everything and it's blood and everything it yeah. was like perfect and yeah. then of course the uh the joke about i'm forgetting the cheerleader's name but him getting flirting i mm-hmm. think that's where we decided to really call it out and say yeah he's gay let's you know show that yeah. And then, of course, the brother. Now, the funny thing on the brother, if you look closely, is he um, he looks a little taller and skinnier, doesn't he? Did you notice yeah. that continuity era? He, yeah. had a, he had a growth spurt in the six months that it took for us to, to work on the film. And so his voice dropped. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he grew like inches, you know what I mean? <laughs> So, yeah. of course, we had to go back in and ADR him. That's audio dialogue replacement uh, and try to ha- pitch his voice back up to match his voice from earlier, which we didn't. Yeah. And then, of course, we hoped um, that people would notice continuity on haircuts and, and things like that. But anyway, all those tent scenes of those little little jokey things. Yeah. Why those came in. That's that's what we reshot. That's what came into okay. the film just to get you. A couple more laughs and yeah. then launch you into uh, the nationals. Yeah. So for fun, let me ask you a couple of questions. Here's the card. And it says, what was your reaction on the movie overall? One, excellent. Two, very good. Good, fair, or poor? One, two, three, four, five. What would you give the film? You said one, excellent? Yep. One, absolutely one. Wow. Would you recommend this movie to friends? Absolutely. Wow, good. Okay, uh, what would you tell your friends about this movie? Not just whether you liked it or not, but how would you describe it to them? Oh, um, just a fun, fun night, dancing, singing along. Like, hey, Mickey. <laughs> I, I might actually perform hey, Mickey. Like, that's one of my favorite, like, montages that you guys do. Oh, I cut that too. You did a great job. Yeah. The funny thing on that is it was scripted. As a matter of fact, let's look at the script real quick and see what it says here. And there were some scripted moments here. Let's see. Let's see. Hey, your history. Bye-bye. Cheers along, baby court. Texas field. Here's the uh, cheering squad. Huh. I don't see it on here, but I do. I can't find it. I don't want to take forever to look for it. But I do remember it being scripted and they had a couple of I thought they had even a couple of maybe that maybe in an older version of the script that the pages got tossed out Um, because as you as you can see here all these revisions and as you revise you toss out you toss out the old pages and put the new pages in yeah maybe it wasn't a they realized they weren't going to have time to shoot some of that so I remember Peyton coming and I had been working on I'm very good at scouring the film this was on film it was shot on film and then we would transfer it to tape and then load it into the computer-based editing system. So I do remember scouring all the dailies and just looking for those little moments and just pulling, yeah. pulling jokes and, and little dance things when the kids would do little dance things and stuff. Yeah. And then I was putting all that together. And then, of course, old Mickey came in with, he, he got to shoot that real quick. And he said, well, it looks like we're going to just have to just use old Mickey as a video at the end. I said, oh, I, I actually saved all these i managed to get you some bloopers yeah. here to take a look and 
yeah. we went through and we picked out what we liked and then I went in and intercut them into the uh, final of the movie and I think that's it's it's very cute and fun and it keeps yeah. the spirit of the movie going even all the way up to the end yeah uh, which is great uh uh please list the scenes you like the most and scenes you like the least um I love when the clovers showed up and um they started like doing the like they, they started doing the routine at the stadium and uh, like when the girls are taking the vote like okay so who thinks we should come up with a new routine and like not just the toros raise their hands the entire audience raise their hands <laughs> i love that <laughs> um least i don't know there is no least with this movie like i i rode high watching this movie the entire time like i said all the way to the end to hey mickey like you guys left me singing so yeah, there were a couple scenes we did delete out, and I think they were mostly with her parents, you know, questioning her decision on being head cheerleader and does yeah. she want to go to college and things like that. And I think they ended up on the DVD uh, deleted scenes thing, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, we didn't want to go down that kind of B C story of pressuring her to are you making the right decisions because that wasn't the movie. Yeah, like there was this one scene where her mom wants her to take tougher classes. So she enrolls like in advanced chemistry. But I like that. I like the route that you guys chose because they were super supportive of her. Like when her dad wrote that fat check that the Clovers were like, nah, we're not taking that. Um, And then like they were at nationals and they they were dancing along with the cheers. Like you could tell that they were involved in their child's life. So I I like that. I enjoyed that. Except for the brother that was forced to be there. What is it? Cheerleading equals death. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but he was still supportive in his way, and like yes. he tried to tell her about her boyfriend. So yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, who was your favorite character? See, because they list all the characters on there. Um, Isis and Missy kind of tied for me. Like Missy, like the thing that pulled me into this was I think it came out around the same time that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was out, and yes. like Eliza was fake. So yes, Torrance, Missy, Courtney, Whitney, Darcy, Casey cliff and cliff was the perfect uh casting he was just so sweet oh god that was so cool and this it's kind of a uh, you know and his his one you know the 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 stuff they gave i'm still looking for that uh t-shirt he wore that had the f on it for the yes yeah i want i still to this day want that (laughs) t-shirt i want this whole room like he had a good setup yeah he did and um that's funny enough uh, he was he, I think he, there's a song, Peyton Reed had a band mm-hmm. at the time. And I think one of Peyton's uh, Reed's songs uh, ended up in the movie uh, yeah. from his band, which was kind of a cool little inside joke, if I remember correctly. Um, but him playing the guitar, of course, that was all added in yeah. uh, later. Um, and I love what they did. You know, the movie just kept getting better as we locked it in and kept moving forward and one of the exciting things about that was the opening song the opening song was to the beat of oh mickey yeah um and i'm still to this day i gotta go through some of my vhs's i have i think i do have an editor's cut that might have that beat to the song we gave it over uh the movie over to christopher beck the uh, composer who just right now is doing uh, uh vision wonder vision yeah uh which i was so excited to see that he got that because he's such a talented composer and he did such yeah. a phenomenal job uh with bring it on you know even though he doesn't have a lot of music cues in the movie the thing that you don't know is he did the opening 
So we gave him the opening with the old Mickey beat. And this was the first thing he was going to do for us. And he sent us back uh, the thing. And what you hear in the movie is actually what he sent us that first time around. We cut it in and just played it. And we were just like, because <laughs> it, it just came to life and the horns, it, like he got it, you know, the yeah. spirit of it and the bigness of it and the, the musical portion, you know, when we go to the Bu- Busby Berkeley shot, which is the overhead shot of them doing their thing and yeah. music swell. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times in the cutting room we watched it. I think we watched it like 10 times over and over and over and just kind of might even dance to it, you know, because it, yeah. just, it just picked us up in the cutting room because it was the first sign of like another talented person coming in and just elevating the film to the next yeah. level. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the, and then when you're on the mix stage and then you do the ADR or the voiceover to add little jokes, little offline jokes, you know, that you don't see the actors uh, talking. Um, that the film just kept notching up, you know, and getting funny and funnier and 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 better and better. Yeah. So yeah, I re- I remember that was one of my biggest moments too of how a composer can just elevate the film. Uh, yeah. Glue all the parts together. I always I always call when I'm, when I'm editing. Once the composer gets it, he glues all of my edits, edits yeah. together. Yeah. Through through his music and makes it almost like brings it to life through the music you know that's why that's why I love composers so much oh absolutely now um like and speaking of like the evolution of this particular film when we're looking at that first draft script like how many revisions is that again like how long does it like how how long does it usually take do you say from it to get to the first draft script to the final the official first draft because keep in mind there's drafts when they're trying to get the movie made Mm-hmm. All these drafts that we don't even know about. So on 6 9 1999 mm. was, was called, whoa, 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 I take that back. Hang on. Let me look at this right. Yeah, it says Final White. And what that means is that's the official shooting script. And then we went through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And then there were some reshoots. So I would say 16 because I don't think I have that on here. And the last revision I show on here was eight twenty seven ninety nine. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and that seems feels about right. I think you know you have a six to seven week shoot, if I'm not mistaken, on that. And um, some of the changes could be quite small. Um, trying to think if I could remember why we changed it. Sometimes shooting, they might change a location or restructure something. And some of the changes might just be, as a matter of fact, let me look here. Because what they would do is, if I can show you, see those dots? Yeah. Right there? Yeah. Those are all the changes for the scene. So the, oh dialogue, the dialogue stayed the same if I'm holding it up right. right yeah, there. yeah. That's the same, but the description of it. So let's see, I just pulled this out. Uh, in line at the ladies' restroom, Courtney uh, furiously slams her duffel bag down on the ground, ready to rumble. Whitney watches. You cut her. I'm going to kick your ass, you evil <laughs> whore. Uh, six-year-old tiny tot cheerleader stares up at Courtney in junior all-star gub, and the tot smiles mischievously. Get over it, hag. So obviously they were trying to raise the uh, humor there. Yeah. Um, let's see here if there's any other funny little thing. And then the the interview with the. Uh, uh, Angle and Jan and Les milling about. Les 
impatiently looks around at Jan, flirts at the cute young cheerleader. Hi, my name is Jan, Rancho Corny Toros. I see uh, she seems unimpressed. Jan lays it on thicker. Five-time national champion, Rancho Cor uh... <laughs> I don't remember that in the movie. <laughs> Either, I don't either. Like either a lot of filmed, things change. Either it was filmed and cut. <laughs> yeah, most likely it was filmed and then we just cut that out. It was probably a little too crass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, reading that, it's like, ooh, this, this podcast is now rated R. <laughs> yeah. <better> season. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so, yeah. So this movie has stood the test of time. And like I said, um, it had a musical. And you said that, um, can you tell me a bit more about the musical? You said you saw it, right? Yes, yes, we saw it and we got to meet the cast afterwards. Uh, it was a complete different take. It was separate from the filmmakers. Jessica wasn't involved, Peyton wasn't involved. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I really liked it. I thought it was a, 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 an interesting, like kind of reboot take on it. And of course it had a, a transgender uh, performers and it, it was just really you know it's it was just fresh and interesting uh, take you know what I mean it kind of fell into that yeah uh, cliche that you know one team against the other or uh, the squad not liking the lead cheer you know the yeah cat team captain and taking over you know it's like we didn't that's that's not what bring it on is yeah. yeah like it didn't have the same heart that this has yeah and the the, the innocence and the and the yeah. uh, witty uh dialogue you know the witty exchange i mean i remember reading i'm like god the dialogue on this is so great and witty yeah. and i hope <laughs> and you know your fear is when you're when you're making a movie like this you read the script i visualize it and what i think it's going to look like but I do know that my concern about this is, will the actors and actresses be able to pull off the wittiness of this dialogue? Because reading it, you can, you can see it, but yeah. physically seeing somebody do it um, is, is another thing. And of course, they, the, the, every character in Bring It On is kind of iconic in a way. They all were their own unique uh, personas and and built upon each other in terms of the humor even uh eliza dushku being yeah being the tough you know cool cheerleading broad she was you know yeah. uh, she brought in so much humor w with that character yeah and I, I thought it was so funny um like she was a gymnast and like uh, rancho carney didn't have like a gymnast team or whatever and they were talking about stick it and that's another one of my favorite like kind of sportsy movies like this like it's a gymnast movie so like I, I connected to that later i was like this this is why we got stick it like this was uh, mm -hmm. the mother <laughs> of a lot of different babies yeah and the movie did go on it got spoofed in some comedy it I can't remember where uh, The Rock or somebody, I can't remember, Kevin Bill, somebody like sang the opening song, you know, I'm sexy, I'm cute. Um, and I think that's when we knew we were iconic. Uh, and that came in about a year to three years after the movie. Yeah. Um, when we started being spoofed, we knew we were now in the lexicon of film history. Yeah, um, like you made it. <laughs> and, and then when Cheer came out last year, uh, the documentary on Netflix about cheer, you know, cheer the number one or number two cheerleading team. 
going to nationals. Um, and there were two or three references to uh, bring it on in that, you know, it was just, we were all texting each other going, oh my God, did you see him cheer episode number one, the reference to bring it on? So it's just, uh, and like I say, if you're a cheerleader, you, it's a must-see uh, film. So it's just, it's like, like my one film. I mean, I've done Speed 2 and The Ghost in the Darkness and everything, and people kind of just go, oh, Speed 2. <laughs> I love Speed 2. As a Good, part of thank you. Watching, I have watched that movie like 10 times. Well, guess like, what? I guess we have to do another podcast. I'm down for it. I love that movie. I have a lot of stuff. I've worked eight months on that movie, and it was... Yeah. Whoo, it was hard. It was really hard, but the very physical. Was, uh, it, it was just a hard movie to do, but I got to be there when yeah. they when the ship crashed. Uh, nice. Oh, we're going to have to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, 3 weeks to film and got to be there for that. Yeah. So, I, so nice. I have a lot a lot of stories and a lot of pictures. Wow. Okay, yeah. no. I I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pictures, what was exciting is that we the film was shot in San Diego, so it was it was away from us, and mm-hmm. um, so we never got to go on set, uh, and you know because we were always working, and yeah. since it was down in San Diego, so we would the film would be shipped up, up to us, developed, transferred to videotape, and then digitized into the machine, and then we would have a film. We had a film crew with us that would we'd so, pull selects, which means the best takes. Uh, Larry and I would go into the screening room. This kind of had the old, this, this was the transitioning from film workflow to nonlinear workflow. So we kind of did mm-hmm. the new workflow, but we still kept the old workflow where Larry and I every day would go into dailies and actually physically watch them um, yeah. on the big, the circle takes, we called it. Yeah. Uh, physically watch them on the big screen. And then from there, we would ship some of them down for Peyton to watch, which I don't think he ever really had time to do if I remember correctly because the film was so encompassing Um, and then when we finally got scenes together uh, we would start sending them VHS's down of the cut scenes and and wait for notes and we started getting nervous because we weren't we weren't hearing from them yeah so we had no feedback of if we were because the tone of the movie was so unique you know what I mean yeah Um, you want to really monitor the performance and make sure you didn't go way over the top but you yeah. wanted to make sure you didn't underplay it. You had to hit that sweet center, which yeah. is what we ended up at. But we, you know, when you're an editor and you're early on, you're cutting, you want to make sure you're reaching the director's vision with what you're doing. Like you're on the same page with him as you start. Yeah. It's not only for Larry, but for myself, when I work with the director, I do like to go down and visit the set and kind of just watch how he, watch what he does and and then show them some scenes that I've put together already and discuss them with them while we eat our sandwiches or our lunch, you know, quickly, and then run back to the cutting room and get back to work, knowing that I'm in the, the ballpark of what the director wants. But we yeah. didn't have that option because we would send Peyton down stuff and we wouldn't hear anything. So we really started getting nervous, like, ooh, does he like what we're doing? And then finally he called us, like, yeah, I can't remember when something happened. And he finally called and said, you guys are doing such a great job. I didn't even have to worry about you. So that's why I didn't call. You're doing great. Keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. And I, I'll see you when I get into the cutting room. And we're like, oh, whew. <laughs> it's interesting. Editors, like we really, we need that from, a, from our directors. Because that's what we're there for. Kind of, you know, like, do you like this? Are we doing good for you? Are we achieving yes. your vision? You know, because that's yeah. what. 
that's what fills our souls. Yes. Knowing that we're we're capturing what the director intended uh, for us to do for them. So yeah, we need that kind of attention. And when we don't get it, we start to panic. Like, am I doing good? Am I going to be fired? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, tell me now, so I don't continue in this direction. What's going right. on? Right. Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, that's exactly it. Am I am I reaching the vision? The way you saw it, am I picking the right performances? Yeah. And and plus sometimes um, you know, I've been on a couple of films where certain performances weren't where they needed to be, and I needed to let the set know that some changes needed to be made. Yeah. Sooner than later, because you don't want to have to recast somebody uh, when you've shot them completely out. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes you can get an acting coach on set to help strengthen the person's performance. You know, there's things you can do to correct since it's early on in the filmmaking, you know, like the first week right. of filmmaking. Right. Uh, so you, you, as an editor, you play a very vital role in saying you're getting the right coverage. You're, the performances are starting to come to life even early on. Yeah. Editorial process. Um, and some other things that need to be uh, DP, you know, like this decisions have to be uh, scrutinized and make sure everybody's on the same page saying, yeah, we've all made the right decisions. Let's start moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, I get those first couple of weeks, even in the cutting room, are very stressful because it's like uh, getting a, uh, I always see filmmaking as a, a, an army mm-hmm. coming together and making sure that army is in sync and I always say all departments are firing at the highest quality. Yes. And so many shows you watch and they're just doing that. The wardrobe, the costumes, the set design, da, 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 da. the editors. <laughs> you know, and when you work on those projects where all departments are firing at their A plus quality, then you know you've got something. And we've watched yeah. plenty of content where we just, yeah. this is so great. Everything's so great. Yeah. You know? It shows. So yeah. Yeah. Keep up the amazing, amazing work. So yeah, you guys did this work. And again, like this is the most epic, best sports movie of all time. And if anybody has Uh. an argument (laughs) with you about that, you tell them to come see me. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's very, that's a little bit of a high bar. (laughs) It's up there. Cheer, the best cheerleading sports movie, I would. <laughs> uh, okay, you were supposed to go with me, but okay, Eric. <laughs> well, you know, it's that's a high bar to set. And there are, Rudy isn't classic. Uh, yeah. One you see, about Feel the dreams, you know. Okay. okay. <laughs> so when you say the cheerleading word, yes, I will definitely say this is the number one. Well, I've seen movie. this more times than I've seen any of those movies. So. There you go. <laughs> all right any last words well I, I i since we're doing video i'll show you my prop that i have from the movie I oh cool that. that's from the uh nationals yeah extras war i was able to screen match this to uh a guy on the stage i think when the toros or the clovers run out of the tent he's standing yeah. uh, with this on and what's fun on the back is that there's some wording you know for an all access badge and the banner, uh, the bearer of this card agrees to relegate it to an officer or, or official of the grand wizard of movie making Peyton Reed. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes on with a bunch of fun other stuff. So, you know, when the, the props department has to uh, come together uh, and do this, they like to have a little, 
a little fun. And back in, once again, making things like this wasn't the easiest like it is today, you know. Um, Photoshop was around, but I think they had to maybe even uh, do this manually by cutting pieces together and then photocopying and stuff like that. So that's always, it's always fun. And then where's this cheer from, cheer from Chlor, what is that? Chlor? Claire's? Claire's? Yeah. I don't know what that is, but that might be some official. Um, I, wonder, I wonder what that is. I think Claire's it's- is like a jewelry store like a kitschy place maybe so, that was one of their um advertisers yeah exactly and they you know they keep it authentic they would yeah get, get stuff like that yeah uh, that's maybe, cool yeah maybe these were real thing lanyard holders that were uh made for real competitions and then they just yeah up and then they added the fake the fake stuff on there and then of course um the the uh little uh trivia here when did we have our rap party we had it on September 11th. Oh my gosh, September 11th, uh, 1999. And what, ha- what happened uh, two years later? So that's interesting. So did we know? It's almost like the pandemic. <laughs> Little yeah. weird. And then uh, of course it's a cheerleader rap party or cheer fever, sorry. And then, uh, and it's, it's actually on a call sheet for Tuesday, September 7th, 1999. So that might've been our last call sheet. So they kind of put it out, like drew on it or put it over the shirt thing. Let's see if there's anything on here. No, this is the back page of, of the whole cast. Actually, I never noticed this before. I wonder if my name's on here. Probably not, because we're not down in San Diego, but we always fight. We always fight with the, oh, it's got everybody's name. So I'll just start looking up some of these people. Um, but normally we fight to be on the call sheet because they never want to add us to the call sheet because they're like, well, you never get called to set because you're in LA. And it's like, yeah, but we're still working on the film. And scanning this real quickly, I do not see our names. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, it would have been fun if my name was on there. But yeah. that's normally the struggle that we have to uh, thing. And then I have actually a printout from the cutting room. Our, our little locked picture uh, mm-hmm. theme breakdown. So basically this is every scene right here and then the description of the scene. So like the opening, the squad performs the mighty Toro's cheer. Uh, scene 41, Whitney's sister, uh, Jamie sleep, sleepwalks. I don't remember that. <laughs> so Eric, when does that come into play? Uh, this? Yeah. This comes into play the whole way through from the editor's cut on. Because, so like, okay. because when, when somebody gives you a note and they say mm-hmm. in scene 145, people fill into the theater, judges talk, uh, take their places. If somebody says, cut that scene out. Yeah. You know, or if you move scenes around, let's see if I can even find. Oh, here's the reshoot right here. So this is a great example is that we have, okay, yeah, here's some moving around right here. So we go uh, from uh, establishing a hotel marquee, uh, Titans pass other teams walking toward their rooms. Torrance tries to call Cliff. That scene was scene A149. We move that up. Uh, then people fill into the theater, judging takes their place, uh, A4146. And then we delayed scene 144. We moved after 
A146, and that is the girls uh, ready for bed, Missy and Torrance bond over junk food. That was supposed to come right after the Titans pass over the team and walk towards their rooms. So you remember how they arrived at the hotel? So that hotel scene was actually supposed to happen right when they got there, but we moved it to say that there was a second day Yeah. on that, and then probably used the establishing shot. And then right here, scene 154, establishing finals. And then, uh, let's see if we can see that here. So you see the R. Yeah. yeah. The R's. And those are the reshoot scenes. So the reshoot scenes were RC-154. So we called it C, D, B, and E. So even that order we switched around because B was supposed to come first. Cheerleader is missing her front teeth, but we moved it to third. So the new order ended up, be oh God, new order was C, D, B, E, A. So actually the first scene was cheerleader vomits all over. <laughs> then, cheerle yeah. then, then cheerleading missing her teeth. Then Courtney has lost her spanky pants. Then Justin runs around with her spanky pants on his head. Uh, and then last scene was uh, Les and Cheerboy have a romantic moment. So even in that, you could see now at the, the final order was Courtney has lost her spanky pants and then the brother. And then the cheer missing her front teeth. Then Les and Cheer uh, Boy, uh, Les, Les and Cheer Boy have their romantic moment. And of course, uh, cheerleader vomiting all over because during the screen test, uh, that probably got the hugest, most yeah. reaction. And you want to go out on that. As a matter of fact, I had forgotten about that throw up scene. That was really, that was really gross and good, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have missed anything happening after that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to Torrance and Missy look at the Clovers performing Burr routine. So yeah. then we go right into them running out on stage. And then uh, Isis confronts, uh, whoops, I went back to the beginning. So that's totally wrong. Uh, Torrance Clovers rock the finals. Yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't much. Um, and it, it, uh, it even shows when we lock the reels over in this corner. I have what version. So we broke the film down into 20 foot reels because on film, you can only have 20 feet uh, before you change over to another reel. Of course, that's all gone away. But we had a version six, a reel one, a version five of reel two, um, a version five of reel three. So sometimes we would lock, like the beginning's great. So let's, uh, no, actually in this case, we locked reel two. No, that's wrong, wow. Because uh, we locked reel one on 217, but then almost a month and some days later, 331, we locked reel two. So you can see how we continue. And then reel three got locked the same time we locked reel two. And, and then reel five was locked early, earlier than that. And so you can see that even certain parts of the film. And then even the ending of the film was locked on 218, which was a day after the beginning of the film. So the beginning and end of the film were locked before the middle. And locked means that we stopped, we never touched it again. And then the last page here, this is fun, is actually the, uh, I know I'm overexposing here a little bit, uh, is actually the length. So the beginning, the real one is only 12 minutes, well, 13 minutes long. Real two is, you can tell I'm geeking out. This is like editor geek out shit. 18 minutes. And then real three was the longest, which was 20 minutes and 20 seconds which basically means we really got close to it falling off the reel uh, because what would happen is on the 200 foot or 2000 foot reel is the film would just 
be right on the edge the last little bit you could squeak in and yeah you, you had to always wait and find a moment where you could do the changeover is what it's called yeah. you can actually see those changeovers in mink uh the netflix movie because they added the little dots in the corner i don't know if you've seen that film and if you haven't look for the little dots in the corner you'll see a little changeover mark those are called changeover marks where you would yeah. change over to the next reel yeah. And uh, that's where this 2000 foot thing came in. Uh, at the time, they would platter the film, which means that it would be a big, big platter. Mm -hmm. And you, you would put the whole film on it. So you'd wind reel one and then reel two, three, four, five, six on this big platter. Yeah. And that's how the film would run. So they wouldn't have to do changeovers. And then, of course, today it's all digital. So yeah. You just bring in your little card or even get a file over the internet and then just hit play on it. So it's crazy how times have changed yeah just in the 20 years of when this movie was made crazy crazy yeah like you're talking some old technology you were talking about vhs and blockbuster earlier so <laughs> listening old technology oh, <laughs> God. i know on my shelf uh back there is is some uh bring it on vhs tapes of cuts and <laughs> and things like that you know that i actually have to go through and and get them uh, digitized and yeah. get in digital format because yeah. I do have a VHS deck that I can play them on but yeah. I don't know how long that tape's going to last so I got to start thinking about getting all that stuff transferred and moved over yeah so it's 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 exhausting uh, actually and this is what archival even bring it on in terms of its master you know I don't know what they did to I don't think the official has the official blu-ray of bring it on come out I know they were talking about it Let's see. <laughs> like I'm sure, I'm sure it's like for the 20, 20th anniversary. I would think so. And they were, they were talking about it, but then the pandemic hit, and uh, I know a lot of things got shelved uh, because of that. And they don't make the DVDs and Blu-rays are really kind of going out the door, you know. So it's still a miracle that you can buy Blu-rays of certain things. Yeah, well, there's a Blu-ray for blank for Bring It On. But is it a new scan is the question, or did they know. take the original? It has to be a new scan. I don't think they up it. So, yeah, I have to buy that myself, you know? Yeah, so, they came out with a Bring It On Blu-ray back in 2014. Okay. All right. Uh, I, wonder, I hope it's a new scan. But it better, <laughs> no, they're going to have to do a new new scan because 4K. I know exactly. So hopefully they will do that because I would love to have that. Yeah. So it'll be all digital because, like you said, everything is streaming now. Although I'm the kind of person where, for the things that I love, like I still have hard copies of things. I still have a couple of VHSs too. I got rid of the VCR, but I have a couple of VHSs. Well, I I, I hope I was able to answer. I know that you probably have more and more questions. I uh, do, and we're going to talk to you too. Yeah. Okay. We'll set that up. So yeah. I, I guess until next time. Yeah, until next time, uh, geek on. Geek on. <laughs>